Well, good morning and welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is John. Uh, I am the lead pastor. If it is your first time here, welcome. We appreciate you giving us a little bit of time on this Sunday morning or whenever you do get a chance to tune in, listen, or watch. Now, before I go any further, before I forget, I want to do the most important thing of the day. I want to wish all the mothers out there, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. What a great day. You know, it's unfortunate with the quarantine, it kind of makes sort of celebrating this day a little bit more difficult, a little bit more unusual. I feel like this quarantine has kind of screwed up everything the last couple of weeks. Um, and honestly, this could be the first Mother's Day where a lot of us don't get a chance to spend it with our moms or, or perhaps moms out there. You, you, maybe you're separated from your kids this year and that stinks. That's no fun, but you know, hopefully this is all over soon. But no matter who you are, no matter where you are, uh, I just want you to know that you are loved and you are appreciated. It's a happy Mother's Day. Um, speaking of the quarantine and sort of the impacts it's had on all of our lives, one of the things that I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but one of the things that I have noticed is that it seems like a lot of people are trying to pick up a new skill during this time. They're sort of saying, you know, we got a lot more time on our hands. Now, hopefully most of us have retained our jobs and a lot of our jobs have actually gotten more difficult during this quarantine period. But let's be honest, when the weekend comes, we got a lot of time on our hands. I mean, there's not much really we can do. So a lot of people have said, you know what? I'm going to try to use this time um, and, and make something of it. I have spoken to people in this church. One guy was like, you know, I tried to pick up a new instrument. He, he learned the bass guitar. That's impressive. There are other people I've read about that are um, picking up a new language or at least trying to. I myself picked up a couple of new skills. I mean, other than the fact that I've now been cutting my own hair, which each haircut seems to be getting worse and worse, but hopefully we can get haircuts soon. Um, other than picking up hair, the one skill that I have found that I have um, is that I have become quite the bread baker. Take a look at this. This is I've asked Christina to make this a full screen because I want you. These are the very two um, first loaves of bread that I have created, and I want you to just look at them. I want you to I want you to salivate over these pieces of bread. I want you to I want you to covet. My bread. I want you to look at this bread and go, man. I wish I had that bread. I wish, I wish, I wish I could make bread like this. So this is what I've been doing with my time. I'm over here baking bread, and I sent this picture um, to my father-in-law. My father-in-law up in New Jersey. He's a chef, and actually, he is famous for making his bread. And this was his his bread recipe that I did here. And when he looked at these two loaves, he goes, John, I got to be honest with you. Uh, your, your bread's looking better than my bread. And I go, really? Because, yeah, i got to be honest, your bread is looking better than my bread. So obviously I took a screenshot of that text message for posterity. Um, then I was sure to send a picture of this bread to my sister-in-law, his daughter, my wife's sister, um, because she's been trying to do this bread as well. And when she got a glimpse of this bread, she just flew off the handle. Because apparently she can't even get her bread to rise. Like, forget about like, the baking of the bread. She can't even get to that part. She can't even get the, the, the dough to rise. And so this really just angered her. Now, on top of the bread, I've also picked up something else that I've sort of been doing with my free time. That is, I'm growing basil. I've got this little basil plant that I, I bought. It was like this big. And then it got huge and I trimmed it down and it's growing again and like it just seems to be flourishing and it's like my little guy I'm out there every day I'm kind of moving it in the sun I'm, I'm um, you know pruning it I'm watering it I'm, you know so when the weekend comes right here at the Grippa house during the quarantine 
I'm baking bread, I'm using the basil, we're making fresh bruschetta, like, shit, yo, we're making, you know, real Italian, it's like under the Tuscan sun over here. This is what we're, this is what we're doing over here. So, um, the reason I tell you this is because, I think it was, it was either last weekend or the weekend before, my wife and I were sitting around the kitchen center island, and we're just shoveling bread down our gullets, okay? It's just bread and olive oil, just down our gullets because what else are you going to do on the weekends except just eat? And so we're eating the bread and we're on our phones because, you know, who talks to each other anymore? So, so we're on our phones just kind of doing whatever and I get a notification on my phone uh, that she has sent me something on Instagram. So excitedly I open up my phone and I see this meme and it says, my favorite part of quarantine is that we were all forced to be alone with our thoughts for a little bit and everyone was like, absolutely not. I will learn to bake bread from scratch. <laughs> so uh, anyway, needless to say, I felt personally attacked by this. All right, I felt personally attacked. And then I just reached for more bread. <laughs> I was like, okay, enough of that. But um, this guy makes a great point. He makes a great point. I feel like this quarantine has forced a lot of us to spend a little bit too much time up here. And we're not, we're not liking what we're finding. I mean, I think self-reflection is a good thing, but sometimes we can begin to spend too much time up here. And, and it's just it's not a good scene for a lot of us. And then I was thinking about that, and it dawned on me that so many of our problems, and so many of our perceived problems, right? Because there are two different things, actual problems, perceived problems. So many of our problems live in our head, sort of take up resonance in our head, have originated sort of from our thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I think during this quarantine time, it's, we should spend a little bit of time talking about that. And so for the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I just want to put a spotlight on, on what's going on up here. From anxiety to identity to decision-making, if it happens up here, we're going to take a look at it. So with that being in mind, um, let's just stay on Instagram for a second because we've got it here. And this is not going to be a whole social media thing, but since it's here, let me just talk about it real quick. Um, one of the ways that Instagram or Facebook or, or social media in general starts to mess with our heads is that we begin to use social media as a litmus test for our lives. Okay, now, we might not realize that we do this, but every time we open up Facebook, every time we open up you know, Instagram and we start to scroll past pictures of things and our friends and all this kind of stuff, I think inevitably we begin to ask the question, how am I doing compared to everybody else? Now, notice we're not asking the question, how am I doing? No, we're, we're asking, how am I doing compared to everybody else? And... And this happens in life. It doesn't just happen on, on social media. It happens at your job. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens at school. It happens at, at, at the gym. I think all of us begin to sort of look to the left and we begin to look to the right to see if we're okay, if, if we're acceptable, if we, if, how we stack up, how we measure against everybody else. It's sort of like, am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Am I all right? Eh, I'm not, I'm not so all right. And we begin to evaluate ourselves and we begin to evaluate our lives based on other people. And when we do this, it suddenly begins to happen. It begins to, it, it leads us to want more er 
attached to the adjectives that sort of describe us because we kind of look at everybody else and we say, well, I want to be richer, right? I want to be skinnier. I want to be smarter. I want to be taller. I want to be prettier. I want to be happier. I want to be trendier, right? I want to be more popular on Instagram. I'm trying. All right, work for me. Um, it's, it's just like, I want more er than you. Because if I have more er than you, then I'm going to feel better about myself. Now, it's not that I don't like you. I like you. We're friends. We're good friends. We're families. We're, we're neighbors. It's just, I want more er. You know, I want to go to dinner. I want to go to dinner with some friends, my wife, and afterwards, I want to, you know, we're driving home with my wife, and I want to go, you know what, that guy, he was a smart guy. Wow, he was smart, wasn't he? Yeah. But uh, I'm smart. Or you want to go to the gym and you want to say, man, that's a, that's, that person's strong. That's a real strong person, but uh, I'm strong. And, and, and on and on and on we go. We just seem to always want more and more. Err. And then this habit begins to sort of creep into other aspects of our lives. Maybe, maybe you're in the dating scene, right? You're in the dating scene. And, and you start to begin to sort of place these errs on, on, on potential dates. And you're sort of saying, well, I want them to be prettier. I want them to be taller. I want them to be hotter. I want them to be stronger. I want them to have a bigger bank account. Or you get married, right? We get married. And when you get married, the, the errs don't stop. We just sort of begin to sort of change the wording, shall we say. And, we, and, and you might find yourself saying things like, well, I just wish my husband could reach his full potential. Right. That's an error. Or, or, or husbands. It's, it's, it's like, um, you, know, you know, when it comes to this, I wish my wife would just try harder. I think I caught an error in there. See, but the crazy thing is, in a marriage, it really has nothing to do with our spouse at, at all. It's, it's all about you. Because it's, it's all about how you believe that you are perceived kind of vis-a-vis -vis your husband or, or, or your wife. Or maybe you have kids. And once you have kids, this comparison thing, this, this looking around, this, it is a minefield, okay? It's just a minefield as a parent. Now, I'm not a parent, but I see it and I hear about it because when you're a parent and you got young kids, all of a sudden you start hearing about, you know, breastfeeding. Are you going to breastfeed? Are you not breastfeeding? How about this? How about that? Oh, how's your, is your kid walking yet? When, when did he start walking? Is they, are they talking yet? It's kind of, everybody is comparing these milestones. And of course, everybody's different. Or, or then it's like you start hearing about where kids are going to school. Where's your kid going to go to middle school? Where's your kid going to go to high school? How about college? Where are they going? Oh, they're going there. Oh, they're not going there. All right. And now, now with the quarantine, now all you parents are doing homeschooling. And that is a whole new source of comparison, right? Because some parents out there, I've seen it. I've seen it on Facebook, okay? Because they are, trust me, they put it up there. But some parents with this homeschooling thing, they've got... I mean, they're like mutants. They, like they, they're doing theme days in their house. They're doing art projects. Meanwhile, you can't even get your kid to go to the bathroom on the toilet. You're just holding on for dear life, and you got to look at all of this. Okay. But that aside, that aside, there does come a time in our life when sometimes we do, in fact, actually have more er than the other person. And we start to look around at the people, uh, you know, around us, and we start saying, well, you know, that person over there, that person's uh, heavier than me. Yeah, that, that family's poorer than we are. That's their kid. Their kid's nerdier than my kids. Or, 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 or my clothes, my clothes are, are more designer than their clothes. 
And when you do this, if you're not careful, you start to feel superior. But maybe that was your intention. See, because some of us, for some of us out there, Ur is not enough. I mean, Ur is good. It's a, it's a start. But we need to be best, right? Being richer than the next guy, that's a, that's a, that's a good start. But I want to be the richest. I want to be the happiest. I want to be, I want to be the prettiest. And we love Ests because now other people, they have to compare themselves to us. We, are, we have now become the standard of measurement, and we love that. But we lie to ourselves, and we say, no, 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 I'm just John. No, no you're misrepresenting me. I just, want to, I just want to reach my full potential. Now, that might be true. I mean, for athletes, that certainly is the case. I mean, an athlete is paid to be the fastest and, and the strongest and, and, and the best. But for the average person, I mean, I think for you and me, more times than not, if, if we find ourselves chasing after S, it's because we're looking to the left and we're looking to the right and we're simply asking, am I okay? Now, for some of you out there, you sort of see this competition going on, this sort of one-upmanship, if you will. You see it at the office. You see it at your kid's school. You see it on its social media where it is at its worst. But for you, it has the opposite effect. I mean, when you look to your left and when you look to your right, you actually find yourself saying something like, I will never be as rich as they are. I'll never be as cool as they are. I'll never be as skinny as they are. I'll never have a house like they do. I'll never drive a car like they do. I'll never be able to send my kids to schools that they can send their kids to schools. And it's just this, the looking to the left and looking to the right, it's just, you're just not happy with who you are. So no matter where you fall on the spectrum, from the ers to the ests to the never bees, and maybe you're in between somewhere, a little bit of each, one thing becomes abundantly clear. There is no win in comparison. There's no finish line. There's, there's no end in sight. There's, there, there's no sense of, of satisfaction. In fact, comparison can be plain dangerous. I, I mean, I, it, can, it can decimate your mental health. And, and, for, and for some of you, um, for some of you, comparison has driven you into debt. I mean, how many of you? Let's be honest. How many of you leased a car that you had no business leasing? How many of you bought a house you had no business buying? How many of you went on that vacation that you had no business going on that vacation? You bought that watch, you bought that purse, these things that we had no business buying. And the only reason that we bought these things or did these things is because we saw somebody else had it and we wanted it or we wanted a better version. So how do we manage all of this noise up here. I mean, if we can't turn to the left and we can't turn to the right to kind of find out how we're doing, what do we do? How, how do we handle all this? So I thought in trying to have this conversation about errs and s and comparison and looking left and looking right, I thought it would be great to go back into the Old Testament and try to find some wisdom from a man who was told to be the wisest man that ever lived. Presumably still, he was the richest man that ever lived. And of course, we're talking about Solomon. So in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon does a great job of sort of peering into this sort of comparison game that we all find ourselves in. Take a look at what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said this, 
I realized. I realized the reason people work hard and try to succeed, they're jealous of each other. Right? He goes, they're jealous of each other. He goes, like, I'm, I'm a... I'm a student of observation. I, I've looked around. I'm watching you guys. I'm watching myself. I'm seeing my friends. I'm seeing my family are doing. And for the most part, what I'm seeing, what drives people, is competition. They're looking to the left. They're looking to the right. It's what car is he driving? What clothes is she wearing? Where are they sending their kids? In other words, what Solomon is saying here is he saw people determining where they were based on where everyone else was. And this was 3,000 years ago, guys. I mean, for 3,000 years, people have been looking to their left and they've been looking to their right to find out how they're doing. I mean, that's crazy. It just shows you how little has changed in the human condition. Commenting on this behavior, Solomon says this too is meaningless. It's a, it's a chasing after the wind, he says, which is his way of saying there's just no wind in comparison. I mean, you can't catch the wind. That's, it's, it's a waste of time. It's impossible. Just like you can't find toilet paper in Publix. Waste of time. Don't even, don't even go. It's not going to happen. Solomon's like, look, competition, this, this competition we have with each other, trying to find out what you're doing, trying to best the other person, trying to match it. He goes, it's meaningless. It's, it's a waste of time. It's a, it's a chasing after the wind. Now, some of us here... Solomon talking about sort of the motivation to work, and, and, and it kind of hits us, and we're sort of thinking, well, wait, 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 hold on, wait. Solomon, are you saying that 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 uh, are you saying that we shouldn't try our best? Is that what you're saying? I, I mean, are you saying we shouldn't try hard? Are you saying we should kind of put our feet up and, and kind of fold our hands and, and sit back and do nothing? Is that what you're saying, Solomon? And he'd go, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. He goes, in fact, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. He goes, fools do absolutely nothing. And they ruin themselves. He goes, I would never say that. He goes, I'm wealthy. I got a lot of wives. I got big houses, a lot of property. I got a great education. I would never tell you not to work hard. I would never tell you not to ignore the gifts and the, and the talents. I would never tell you not to use those gifts and talents that God has given you. In fact, you should work hard. You should work very hard. You should aim for improvement. But, he would say, what I am telling you is you need to be careful about what is driving you in this life. And then he gives us some advice. He says, better one handful, right? Listen to this. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So, a lot of what he's saying, in fact, most of what he says here, gets lost in the English translation. But in the Hebrew, he's painting a really beautiful word picture. Here's kind of what he's saying. It is better in this life to live a, to live, to live a life um, with one hand, okay? One hand open. And the implication is that God can put into it or take out of it whatever he wants. He's like, it is better to live a life with one hand open and be content with what one hand can hold than to live a life of two fists clenched around whatever you can get, trying to get that third fistful and never being able to get it. He goes, this lifestyle is a waste of time. It's a chasing after the wind. 
is a sobering piece of advice. Because what, what Solomon is saying here, he goes, he goes, you're gonna, you're gonna miss out on what you have when you're always looking for more. He's like, he goes, if you're always trying to improve your wife, you're gonna miss out on how kind she is. He goes, if you're always trying to get your husband to reach his full potential, you're gonna miss out on how loving and, and loyal your husband is. He goes, when, when you're always pushing your kids to be the best athlete and the smartest kid in the class, you're gonna miss out on how wonderful your child actually is. You're gonna miss out on how truly blessed you are in this life when you are constantly looking for more. He continues. He says again, I saw something meaningless. He goes, another, here's another big waste of time. He goes, I saw. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man. Now, I don't know if it's a parable. I don't know if this is a person he actually knew or if it's a category of people. I, I, I tend to believe this is probably a, a category of people. He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Now, by using this phrase, son nor brother, Solomon is telling us something about this guy. He's saying, number one, um, he has no heirs. Okay, so if he has a wife, if he's a daughter 3,000 years ago, they couldn't inherit anything at all. So, so what Solomon is letting us know is that when this guy dies, that's it. It, it, it's over, okay? His money, his possessions, his house, his land, his cars, his watches, he can't pass any of that on to his daughter or to his wife. And yet, there was no end to his toil. Yet, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Now, you know people like this, don't you? I mean, I have. It's just Work, 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 work. Always another goal, always another promotion. There's always another deal to get. Yeah, their salary is big, but it's like they have no sleep. They got an ulcer. Their home life is a mess, but they need more. They need more. They need more. And more is never enough. And then this man asks a profound question, a simple question, but profound and life-changing. One day he just goes, for whom am I toiling? For whom am I toiling? And, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He's like, what am I doing with my life? How, how, how did I get to this place? Why am I so consumed with more and I can't seem to enjoy what I have? And this is where Solomon is like, this is, this is what I've been saying. I mean, it's, it is human nature to compete unless you choose otherwise. Solomon says, this too, meaningless. It's a miserable business. Solomon's like, if you get caught up, listen. He's like, if you get caught up looking to your left and looking to your right, if you get caught up always scrolling Instagram, wishing you had, what they have. If you get caught up going on to Instagram, trying to prove something about what you do have, if you get sucked into not being content, if you're always looking for more er, if you find that you always need to be the est, you, my friend, he would say, are in the business of misery. And it's a waste of your time. 
And the saddest part of all, he says, you will never be able to enjoy your life. It's not just life, it's your life. The life you worked hard for. The one that you've been blessed with by God. You're going to miss out on your life because you're chasing after everybody else's. See, for 3,000 years, the truth hasn't changed. There is just no win in comparison. What if we could begin to see this? I mean, honestly, what if we could begin to get this right in our lives? What, if, what would it look like for us to be able to catch ourselves before we kind of go down this rabbit trail of looking left and looking right? What would it look like if, if we could celebrate our friend's success? If you could look at the new car they got and you go, good for you. That's a beautiful car. Rather than opening up your garage door, looking at your two-year-old car now and saying, oh, I wonder when the new model's coming out. I mean, what would our mental health look like? What would, what would, our, what would our families look like? See, the reason that we got to get past this, the reason we got we to win this war against comparison is because comparison never leads to joy. I mean, the reality is that there is always going to be somebody who is smarter or taller or faster or richer or, or, or funnier. It's just, it's just the reality of this world. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because you are exactly who God made you to be. God designed you. God formed you. God gave you your opportunities. God gave you your family. God blessed you with everything from your health and to your wealth. And the sooner we can recognize the sooner we can recognize how amazing it is to be a unique creation, the sooner we can cast off the shackles of comparison. Comparison does something else. Comparison also makes you the victim. Now, this is a tricky one because we don't, we don't see this in our, in our own lives, but it's, it's, you can pick it out in somebody else's life pretty quickly. So you're, you're, you'll, you'll catch yourself saying things like, why did they get the promotion? I didn't. Or, or, or you see your friend gets a new car, like we talked about. They get a new car, or, or they get a new house, or, or just something nice happens in your friend's life. And your only reaction seems to be, must be nice, right? Must be nice. Must be nice to be you. Must be nice to have all that time on your hands. Must be nice to be able to do this, okay? And without realizing, you begin to live a life of, oh, woe's me. And that's a very dangerous path to go on. And lastly, comparison robs you of life. I mean, like Solomon said, it's just a, it's a, it's a miserable business. You'll make your spouse miserable. You'll make your kids miserable. You'll, you'll, you'll drive people away. It sucks the joy out of life. But you already knew that, didn't you? So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time watching us here at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So in today's sort of um, scriptural reading, we saw that this man um, asked himself a question and, and it began to be a, a, a pivotal point in his life. And so today what I want to do is I just want to ask you a question. And I just want you to begin to wrestle around with it this week. And hopefully it might have sort of the same impact and outcome on your life. And 
I'll ask it like this. What mirror are you using? Meaning, when it comes to your life, what are you holding up to find out if you're okay? Because I think we're all looking somewhere. I think we're all looking at somebody to sort of let us know that you're okay. You're right where you need to be. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. So where are you looking? Because I think we're all looking somewhere. I mean, are you looking up to your parents for this? Are you looking to your family? Are you checking your bank account? Are you looking to your boss? Is it your appearance? I mean, is it, is it sort of the academic or the athletic success of, of your children? Where are you looking to make yourself feel okay? I think if we can begin to get to the bottom of this question, I think if we can begin to answer this question, you can really begin to sort out what's going on up here. Now, since we're all kind of chasing after life, so to speak, let me let you in on a, a little secret. You can be more satisfied in this life. It is possible that, that whoever you are right now, wherever you are right now, it is possible, just between you and me, I'm just gonna let you know, it is actually possible to be more satisfied in this life. But it doesn't come from looking at your left and looking at your right. It, it doesn't come from outperforming other people. It doesn't come from celebrating the failures of other people. It comes from choosing to be content. Recognize, as, as the scripture says, that your life, your unique life, is a gift from God. Now, this doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard. You should work hard. This doesn't mean you're, you're not allowed to want nice things. You are allowed to want and have nice things. But it's choosing to live that one handful lifestyle palm open to God so that he can put into it and take out whatever he wants and being content with what he's given you, being appreciative and grateful for everything in your life that your heavenly Father has blessed you with. And this lifestyle, this leads you to tranquility. So this week, as we kind of wrestle around with sort of the wisdom of Solomon, I, I just think we all should begin to internalize this idea that we, we, we don't want to waste your own life wishing for someone else's. Let me pray for this. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we can come today and, and celebrate the moms in our life, which is just so amazing and such a gift to all of us. And I thank you, Lord, that through technology we could come together and continue to study your word. Lord, 3,000 years ago, you led your servant Solomon to a very important truth. That, that all of us, if we're not careful, we'll get sucked into this competition thing. We'll get sucked into envy and jealousy. And, and we lose sight of the blessings in our own life. We lose sight, Lord, that, that you have made us as a unique creation with gifts and talents, with a plan just that, that is specifically custom-tailored for our own, Lord. I pray that you can help us so that we no longer look to our left and look to our right, Lord. That we can find satisfaction in you, Lord. We can find contentment in our work, in our life, and with our families. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.